Blog Talk Radio. You thought that were going to be a song, didn't you? That's a surprise <laughs> twist. There is so much to talk about in this episode that I decided to leave an intro song out. Welcome to the Configurate. <laughs> Damn it. Fuck that title. <laughs> Neither one of us can say it, and we came up with it together. <laughs> hey, I just rub, I just agreed to it. You're the one that came up with it, damn it. Let's see. <laughs> the oh, the exploitation conflagration. <laughs> there we go. We got it. But, yeah, from the very first uh, plays on stage, there have always been twists, but do they do it for the good, which is to shock you, and they leave you little breadcrumbs that you can only see the second time around once you're really looking for it? And any one of you out there, we all have that friend that always said, yeah, I knew that twist was coming. I guessed it from the start. <laughs> oh, yep. Shit. <laughs> you know So I figured we might as well Just jump right into it And just get this one out of the way Because it's what everyone's already Thinking about Anyone who's out there listening The sixth sense It's the it, it's For all intents and purposes The film that Kind of introduced mo- more Modern audiences To the idea of the twist ending you know, and and it really and Shyamalan has said it really has hurt him because ever since then, people's expected a twist ending from him. Right. Yeah. And obviously, he hasn't been able to deliver since then. But that is one like like you said, if you go back and watch it after you know the twist ending, you can see you can see it coming, but. It is actually fairly. It is actually fairly well hidden, even while it's being yeah, telegraphed. Yeah, I love how he uses the color red in the movie. Right, right. And you know, and it, every you know, time that you know, Bruce Willis is a ghost, and he goes somewhere he can't go. There's like something red stopping him. Right. Yeah, and they do a really good job of, you know. Like, I've I've heard people say before, you know, uh, oh, well, you know, uh, it should have been obvious since no one else interacts with him except for the kid. Well, but all the other people that he tries to interact with are people who are either angry at him or referencing him kind of to the side, you know. It's not like people are – they don't make it yeah. seem like people are actively annoying, you know – Ignoring him, you know, so yeah. I don't know. I I think it. I think that's a really that one was a really good twist. And you're, but you're right. Like uh, the, the latest, uh, what was the the visit? That was a that was one of the new uh, Shyamalan ones. And uh, it seems like Shyamalan is doing better now. He's making low budget movies again because yeah. the visit is fucking good. Uh, yeah. Glass yeah. was fucking good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The one with the 
one with what's his name, and he had like the ninety nine personalities. That was fucking good. Yeah, split. Yep. Yep. But like, uh, like I was gonna say, like the visit though, like that one, it's a good movie. But I saw that twist coming a long ways. I, I saw that one coming a long way out. I I figured that one out. Uh, yeah. Early, but sheer fact. Out. That, of how much fun he had once the shit hit the fan, or the right. diaper hit the face. <laughs> right. That makes a good, a good twist. Is do they go normal with it or crazy? The one who really should get shit for his bullshit twist, but he doesn't is what's it? Christopher Nolan. I liked Prestige. I liked Memento's twist. Yeah. Yeah. But fuck Tenant's twist. Spoiler. <laughs> oh, this whole show is gonna be on big ass spoiler award. Uh, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say that at the top of the show. If anyone's listening, uh, yeah, this is gonna be nothing but spoilers for for movies that are mostly uh, more than ten or fifteen years old. So if you haven't seen them yet, it's your fucking problem. <laughs> Imagine if James Bond was in a spy outfit, man, but he went back in time and started the double O agency himself. (laughs) Right. That's the fucking twist in Tenant. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, Nolan Nolan is hit or miss for me anyway, man. Like, I don't know. I think, like, and again, we talk about this every week. You know, Tarantino is my favorite director, and I would yeah. definitely, I would definitely go on record saying that even as my favorite director, I think the last few years, especially Tarantino, has gotten super self-indulgent. You know, he's these big bloated movies that are all just whatever he's into at the moment because he knows he can get the budget and he knows that he can get the stars. But I don't know, man. Nolan has gotten so self-indulgent. It's just kind of ridiculous to me. I'm just like, I yeah, can't. Yeah, like I can Inception. Be- People are discussing that ending. People have forgotten what the real twist of that ending is. Right. That, we, the audience, yeah, like, are trapped in that movie now because at the end he doesn't give a shit about the token he's he's right. with his kids we the audience we're the ones who are stuck in the inception we're stuck in right. there because we're obsessed with that fucking top <laughs> right right yeah. Trying to, yeah yeah people are still arguing about it now yeah and that was how many? That was two movies ago, wasn't it? Didn't he do it? He did. Uh, he done Kurt. Uh, yeah. But I did like the yeah. Prestige. Yeah, yeah, the Prestige. Uh, that I mean, now that's a twist ending that you could not have seen coming. That was one that was that was definitely out there, you know. Yeah. Uh. It's like, what are you willing to sacrifice for your art? (laughs) Right? Now, like you said, uh, Memento, um, 
that's a movie that, uh, I mean, I think just by virtue of the structure, you probably couldn't have ever seen the twist ending coming. I mean, unless... Oh, the fact that uh, the lead hero, even though his mind is broken, is a psychopath who lives, who lies to himself about his wife being, his wife's killer being out there. Right. I mean, I've got I kind of set that has the movie told in normal order. Oh yeah, I've never seen that version of it. I I have it on on DVD or Blu-ray somewhere, but uh, I've o- I've only ever seen the original, you know, chopped up version. I've never seen the, you know, the straightforward version. Yeah. I guess watching it in order like that. Now, of course, when after I had watched it the first time when I saw it, you know, of course I was able to uh figure out that, you know, the the guy who killed his wife by accident was was uh Guy Pierce. I you know, you can tell after you've seen it once. But the yeah. first time, the first time when you watch it where it's all out of order, it doesn't seem that way, you know. They they play it pretty well. Yeah. So, that's a good one. Um, we skipped over, but when we were talking about uh, M. Night, we were going to mention The Village, too. That one I didn't like because they didn't take the twist far enough. Right. Where, what do you, how much further do you think they should have gone? What would you have liked to have seen beyond that? Uh, making the girl part of the lie and having her agree that the lie is needed. Right. Yeah. See, now that's one I can honestly say, like, I saw the twist that it was going to turn out that the elders were the monsters just stalking around in the woods to keep everybody you know in the village. You know how they blew it? Tell me. The first scene, they're using fucking China. How the hell would pilgrims in the 1880s have fucking China? <clears throat> right? Well, They would have I metal plates or stone <laughs> or clay plates. Right? Well, maybe that was supposed to be a clue. I never noticed it. I, you know, like like you said, after Sixth Sense, uh, you know, M. Night was always trying to come up with a twist. Maybe, maybe in in the village he was trying to, you know, give hints along the way that they weren't really living in the past. But that yeah. wasn't the twist. That wasn't the twist that I saw coming like i said i i thought the twist was going to be okay i get it the elders are the monsters blah 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 but yeah i didn't see the whole thing where she was gonna hop over the wall and end up in whatever washington state park or wherever the heck they were living which you know but that was uh, stupid just like you knew them yeah they're a bunch of nuts they bought the whole place up there what it's not <laughs> right. the twist. It's how you reveal it. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Again, speaking of, you know, M. Night, like, possibly one of his stupidest attempts at a twist was sign. Oh, yeah. The aliens can be killed with water. So, and I will, I will parrot. Yeah, what why the fuck every- are they attacking a planet that's 80% <laughs> water? Exactly. That's what I was going to say. I will parrot what every critic of that movie has ever said. Why would they attack a planet that's mostly water if they, if water can kill them? Now, you know why maybe that twist they- is so bad? Because everything up to that is so fucking good. The scene where he first sees the alien peek under the kitchen door where he's hi- when he's hiding in the fucking cabinet is some of the scariest shit you can see. Right? And uh, You know, it's good up until then. That's what a bad twist ending will do to you. I mean, the movie's like going good, 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 good. The twist is supposed to, we're boom. I could think of a bad twist because it was pulled out of the blue, but because of the way it was used and where it was placed, took the franchise to a whole new fucking level. And this is one of the biggest twists of all time. Give it to me. No, I'm your father. (laughs) <laughs> right Yeah I was thinking about that Last night when we were Chatting online about movies That we were going to talk about And uh Yeah I mean It It set up A good premise but I think I think it's lost its impact over the years Because of the prequels and yeah. the new movies, you know, I I mean, and it does bring into question again. Well, that's I will what's going to happen once we talk about the older twists on the on this show is that they're not going to have the impact they did because we're going to see every one that we've seen after it that's either taken it and done it good. Or taken it and just done it bad. Right? Yeah. I mean I, I, I don't know, like uh the whole the whole I am your father thing was I mean, it was it was a shocker at the time, but yeah, they've it's been driven into the ground now to the point where like Yeah. Kids growing up today don't even, they already know, you know. Like It was about 85, 86 where everybody had to be related. And I said this a lot. And you would hear the scenes reviews, he said, they would be talking about, what is this Luke guy and your father, even though that's not the line, bullshit. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. I am your brother. I am your sister. She's your sister. <laughs> I know what. <laughs> my Even Doctor Sleep of- goes there. The Shining sequel. That little girl that Danny Tor- that Dan or Danny Torrance is defending is a woman yeah. that his dad screwed back in the day. 
Right. Did you watch Carrie too? No, I never watched it. I didn't. I well, didn't care. Well, guess what? The guess how the 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 thing is is they set up in Carrie too is that the dad is creep. Well, left Carrie's mom and then went around screwing women and creating franchises. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't care. Like, there's a lot of like a Even lot of like James Bond with Spectre. They went yeah. there. Blow James Bond's dad. Screwed. Blowfield and Bond in the Daniel Craig verse are fucking brothers. Right? Yeah, I don't know. We're going to have to devote an entire uh, show to sequels and uh, franchises because, I, like, that's one of the things, man. Like, I am so over James Bond. Like, I don't need a series of 30 movies, you know, like... Uh, I, I, I mean, like just... Bond, but that's moving on. But I'm just talking about that twist from the yeah. Empire just been used to death. Yeah, that particular trope, yeah. No, yeah. I'm just for, like, movie franchises that go on and on. Even as much as I love the Marvel movies, I'm just like, okay, enough is enough, man. We don't need 30 more. We get it. <laughs> I know... You've got 60 years of material to choose from, but let's just let it die now, okay? We're we're done. Oh, or let's see thing. some guys that we haven't seen before. That's what right. got me in the theater. Holy shit, they've never done an Iron Man movie. Holy shit, they've never done a Thor movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that on another show. This show yeah. is about twenty Yeah. So the next one I have but on my night, list. I think actually unfairly gets is that it's like Blair Witch. They have to deal with all of the shitty wannabes that came after them. We're not, we hate, it's like Scream. Scream, the first one, is a great movie, great twist, great little mystery. But all yeah. of the fucking films that ripped it off. Right? Yeah. They just hate that. So we hate, <laughs> right? so most fans hate Scream because of that. I know, I, I love, I love Scream. I think that was, uh, I think that was the movie that brought Wes Craven back. You know, like, I know a lot of people say, oh no, uh, New Nightmare was, was his comeback film, but I don't no, agree. No, I think it was a flop. Yeah, I, and I well, I didn't care much for it either. Just personally, I I didn't like it that much. I I like the fact that Heather well, Langenkamp made a great movie. It's just that it was too smart for its audience. Well, it was, but it was kind of what I think what attracted him to Kevin Williamson's uh, script for Scream. I think was probably the fact that. He already had that in mind when he was trying, when he tried with uh, New Nightmare, he was like, oh, you know, I want to do something that's a little more meta, a little more grounded in reality. And then the the screen came across his desk and he was like, yeah, you know, I'll check this out. And 
Yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. I like it. It's a lot of fun. Now, the sequels, I don't care for as much. I'm just kind of like, yeah, you know. the Again, it, they, it falls down the M. Night hole, you know, where it's like they felt like they had to come up with a twist for every single movie, you know. Or people and, were looking for it. Like, right. uh, people were expecting the real ending of Science to be he was dying in the car. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a better twist ending than aliens are allergic to water. Yeah. <laughs> well. Hey, let's invade the planet full of battery acid. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so... One, I just wanted to gloss over real quick, and I know everybody already knows this, but uh, you and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday, but uh, Friday the 13th, the original Friday the 13th, has a pretty sweet twist ending that I that I still love to this day. Uh, you know. Oh, a uh, second jump scare? <laughs> yeah. And the fact that, you know, you don't know that it's, you know, Mrs. Voorhees the whole time, and then, you know, the jump scare at the end with Jason coming out of the lake, and then everyone, you know, at the hospital telling her that there was no boy in the lake or whatever. Like, they did a good job of, they did a good job with that of setting up a self-contained film, but also leaving the door open so they could make sequels. Well, the reason Jason was there is they needed, they felt they needed just a little more oomph at the ending, you know. Right. But again, as I said, we'll talk about this on another show, but talk about franchises that have overstayed their welcome. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus. And another so. another good one that people don't talk about unless they've seen the movie, and that's to live and die in L.A. What happened right. there? I mean, through the whole movie, we're following William Peterson. And it's about 20 minutes, and you expect him to bust in there and get the bad guy. But he does bust in there, but he gets his head blown off with a shotgun. And the movie continues. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, but that what the... is... yeah, that goes along with another movie that's on our list, uh, Psycho. You know, we'll say Psycho for close to the last because that one really is the best with the double twist that works. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah. But you're right. I mean, how this much is, did that shock you when you first seen the live and die in L.A. and they fucking killed the hero of the movie? Yeah, <laughs> twenty right? minutes before the movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> right? I don't know. I like that kind of stuff. I mean, like, uh, um, oh, what's what's the friggin' Oh, I hate it when I can't. Hey, what? I'm I'm so old now, Stephen. Uh, 
What's the friggin' Scorsese movie with Jack Nicholson and Leonardo DiCaprio and Oh, uh, The Departed. The Departed. They start killing main characters off in that one, like one right after the other, like and I mean, I didn't even think about that when we were planning on talking about twists, but talk about a movie that's got twists in it. Like I mean, they're not they're not surprised. Well, with unless that. some of the twists don't work if you know as soon as they said that oh part of the oh Jack Nicholson's character is based on Whitey Bulger and I'm like Oh yeah, I know what's going down. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, like I because said, my favorite seventies noir and another great twist is the Friends of Eddie Coyle. Right. And in that one, uh, Peter Boyle plays uh, Whitey Bulger. Right. And this yeah, is I a whole movie about rats writing off everybody, and in the end. Uh, to keep his own job as a rat, uh, Eddie Coyle is killed by Peter Boyle's character. <laughs> yep. Have you I ever heard the real story behind that book? No. And I haven't seen well, the Well, the guy who wrote the book was a Boston prosecutor who wanted to get Whitey Bulger. But he found out that Whitey Bulger was secretly a rat, and he couldn't touch him. So he wrote a fictional fuck you book, basically ratting him out. <laughs> you know? Right? He's like, oh, really? I'm going to rat you out. And then that's how we got the book, The Friends of Eddie Coyle. But yeah, that does never, work good in an action movie when someone you don't expect to die dies. Like right. uh, uh, Pulp Fiction with its nonlinear thing, you can kill John Travolta's character halfway through the movie, and everyone's like, "What the fuck? John Travolta's dead!" <laughs> right. Twenty minutes later, he shows up again for the ending. Yeah, I I think that's funny. Like, you know, my mom is, you know, she watches a lot of movies and she reads a lot of books. But, uh, yeah, she was totally confused by the fact that John Travolta comes back at the end of Pulp Fiction. She was like, wait, didn't he die? <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, but the story's not told in, you know, it's not told in in a linear fashion. She, I, I'm still not sure if she gets it or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is kind of confusing unless you just go with it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like truly, the ending of the movie is, uh, and it's played that way if you watch it. Is the scene of Butch and her riding off into the sunset. Yeah. Well, Cause it you've heard the, story, the end credit music. You've heard the story that uh I think it was Turkey. It was there was one foreign country that got the movie 
and they thought that they had gotten they thought that they had gotten the uh the reels uh mixed up so they actually cut it into like a linear version of the film. <laughs> I think I I think it was Turkey that was the yeah, I yeah. think it was. They yeah, they, they thought that they thought that the reels got screwed up so they cut it into a linear version of the film and that's what they showed in the theaters. Mm-hmm. I've That's actually funny. watched a version where someone took the film and cut it into a linear version, and it makes no fucking sense. Right? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah. That's what a twist, a, tw- a good twist. You can watch a movie a second time and see them setting it up. They can't cheat. I've seen so many movies. A lot of the Murder suspense mystery movies where the twist cheats, like uh, Sea of Love with uh, Al Pacino and Ellen Barkin. All through the movie, Michael Rooker is in the movie just as another cop. Yeah. And then at the ending, what? He's the killer? And then at the end, they have, if you have to have someone walk in to explain what the hell it is, you've got a bad twist ending. Oh, that's his ex-wife. What? Fuck you, movie. You couldn't explain that earlier, that she was hiding for her fucking psycho ex-husband? Bullshit. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, um, that's the thing, you know, we were talking about. We haven't really talked about any really bad twists yet, but, yeah. Um, I was I was home alone this weekend, and I was just, what, you know, I've got Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime, and I was just scrolling through, watching various movies, and, like, some... Yeah, I was watching a lot of 90s thriller films because Abby doesn't really care for, like, horror movies and thrillers and stuff. And uh, I was watching through a bunch of movies, and, man, there are so many 90s thrillers that, again, I think we're probably trying to find a way to imitate imitate, imitate the sixth sense and uh, just trying to come up with twists that, make no sense no matter how many times you watch the movie. You're just like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And you know who was the worst perpetrator of these films? He didn't direct any of them. He didn't write any of them, but he starred in a lot of them. Friggin' Michael Douglas. If you're watching a Michael Douglas film from the 90s, there's going to be a bad twist ending that that either you saw coming a mile away or it doesn't make any sense anyway. Basic instinct. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. The game. I mean, it's not a bad movie, but in the end, you're just like, no, no. I, I and I, you know, I love, I love Fincher. Uh, you know, he's a great director, and he's done some really amazing movies. But the game, I'm just like, no. I, I'm not buying it. Like. 
the amount of buildup that goes into the twist ending is just ridiculous because really you're you're the whole point of the movie is you're going to drive this guy to suicide and he's going to jump off this building in this exact spot we're going to have the breakaway glass set up and he's going to land on a pad and he won't actually die like what yeah like no no the amount of I, I understand what they were going for with that, but I mean, yeah. there's there's, sus- there's suspension of disbelief, and then there's just like, no, I I don't believe. How about that? How about I just don't believe? Yeah, like, yeah, it's just a stupid movie. I read the novel. Novel. They did the tie-in novel for it, and the script is a more quieter, introspective movie. Right, and there's I've a lot of, read. and there's a couple of scenes in it that's left out of the movie that Fincher said he filmed but cut. That shows him at his dad's, him getting drunk, crying in his dad's house, looking at his dad's picture with a pistol of his dad on the table. Right. So, so, according to the novel, he was already suicidal. Yeah, that's why his brother yeah. signed him up for it. Because in the movie, he's just like a cocky, well, he plays the friggin' Michael Douglas character that he plays in most every movie. He's the cocky yeah. businessman on the rise, you know, up and coming or rich, you know, yuppie dude. That's the character that he always plays, you know. But or yeah. don't forget. He has he has one of the best twists of the nineties too, with uh, just one line that most people, especially the the neo Nazis who's adopted the movie, ignore. And I can sum up this whole twist with that one line. You mean I'm the bad guy? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. If you yeah. don't understand that that line is him realizing that he truly is the bad guy, right? That's funny. I was just talking to somebody about uh, falling down the other day, and they were saying, "Oh, I hate that movie. That it's so it's so like early '90s, you know, male bravado." And I was like, "Well." Not really. It's really more early '90s male confusion, you know. Like, and that's exact. You're right. That sums it up in 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 that one line when he realizes that. Wait, all I was doing this whole time was trying to stand up for myself because I thought that the rest of the world was coming down on me. But then, oh wait, yeah, I guess I was kind of being a dick, wasn't I? <laughs> Yeah, that he's already crazy. I mean, he is fired from his job. He just goes and drives around, you know. Yep. Yeah, I get, I mean, I get that. Like, I. I mean, it's I, rare to say this, but Joel Schumacher plays it too subtle for its own good. Maybe. Yeah. yeah you know. Right. You can't. Yeah, it's hard to say that about the director of Batman and Robin, but yeah, just maybe. (laughs) 
the guy who another, gave Batman. Yeah, but yeah, a lot of the thrillers of the nineties they were trying to rip off uh, the Sixth Sense, uh, the Last Seduction, the Grifters, the good ones. Right. Yeah, there were there were a lot of good ones. I like the Last Seduction. I like the Grifters. Yeah, I mean. I don't know if their twists were quite as effective as The Sixth Sense, but they were good movies. Yeah, no, the yeah. Twi- twist, was, the best twist of the noirs from there is probably uh, Blood Simple. Yeah. People were killing yeah. each other when they didn't need to, because they were confused as hell about what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, like that beautiful Rupert... ending of it, that twist ending where she finally gets enough courage to stand up to her husband and she shoots him but it's not her husband. <laughs> right. Well it leads up to that great line by M. Emmett Walsh. Harry, I'm not afraid of you anymore. <laughs> Ma'am, when I get to hell, I'll make sure to tell him. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> she like thinking about this uh the other day too about like uh you know unnecessary remakes and reboots and i was thinking about how when hitchcock came to america uh he did when he finally had a budget for american movies he did uh a remake of uh the man who knew too much right that was the one that he remade of of his own yeah and now now that the Coen brothers have so much money and so much influence, I wish they would do a remake of Blood Simple because as much as I like Blood Simple... They've already still... re-edited the damn thing. We can't get the original cut anymore unless you play insane amounts for the original VHS. I have the original VHS. Ha-ha! <laughs> gotcha! <laughs> but yeah, the Criterion would... disc is the re-edit. Yeah, I haven't seen the Criterion version, but, uh, yeah, I have it on VHS, so that's one of those things, like, I don't know, if I have a movie on VHS that I've kept all these years, I usually don't bother to buy a DVD or Blu-ray version of it, just seems like a waste of money, so I guess I miss out on a lot of the, uh, you know, what what am I trying to say, Uh, the yakety yak about what what you know and all the back story and everything but i don't really care i don't i don't listen to a lot of it it's the corn brothers there's no yakety yak in it they 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 play their movies close to the vest always well i just mean like commentary and you know behind the scenes that's what i mean there's no commentary by the corn brothers for a corn brothers film Right. Just like well, there's only one somebody. by Tarantino. No, two by Tarantino. Right. From yeah. Dust Till Dawn and True Romance. Right. Yeah. Unlike Kevin Smith, who can never shut the fuck up. Look, man, I like your movies, but you can't even put in a Kevin Smith DVD or Blu-ray and hit play without having to sit through him. Like the first thing that comes on screen is him telling you about the movie before it even starts. I'm just like, dude, if Red I wanted the director's box here, suck, Nick. 
I wish they would have kept the original ending. The what? The original ending of Red State. That would have been beautiful. Oh, yeah, right? And I like Red State a lot. were right. Yeah. I liked Red State a lot. I thought that was a... I thought that was... I mean, it was definitely... He stepped outside of his comfort zone and definitely made a, a really interesting movie. But... Yeah, I I know what you're talking about. They yeah, that had a good twist ending, but 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 they even didn't in use the, it. they put the stupid no. ending where the popcorn family was lying to the cult and the cult got arrested by the FBI. Ha ha ha! Hey, see, I did stoner jokes and comedy. Oh fuck well, you! He should have kept the ending where the cult members were right and it was the end of the fucking world. And even then, Kevin Smith can't shut the fuck up. He wasn't in that movie, but at the very end, when the cult leader is wandering around his cell, mumbling to himself, and you hear someone yell, shut the fuck up, that's Kevin Smith. He can't even stay out of a movie that he's not in. That's how much he needs to fucking talk about his movies. He needs to have something to do with every movie. Not, but yeah, not hey, even if you yeah. have to use a dos ex machina to explain your twist ending, then you've got a bad, bad ending. A yeah. dos ex machina ending is where a character or a thing shows up out of the fucking blue that wasn't in the fucking movie before and has a 10-minute spin explaining to you, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been, it would have been a little more. Uh, I don't know. The ending that they went with for Red State would have been a little better if at least the the horns had sounded earlier in the movie, so that Michael Park's character could have said something along the lines of, you know, okay, this is it, the end times, before the whole shootout with the FBI, you know, like, oh, this is it, the end times, let's get ready, and then they could have had the shootout with the FBI, like, that would have been better than waiting till the very end of the movie and just have it be a prank that the friggin' stoners were playing on them, you know? Yeah. That would have been, yeah, that would have been well, a better back version. Well, one of the best twists ever. We gotta go back to Easy Rider. I mean, we're going through the whole movie. We're following these guys. And at the end of the movie, they're like free finally. You know, they're driving down the road and everything's alright. Get off the road, hippie! And then they flip, and then Dennis Hopper flips them off and then boom! Boom! They both get blown away by shotguns. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that's... And that uh, one works is because they set it up because of the one line before the last reel. And it's just so... I, I love it when they set up a twist with just one line. Like, all of a sudden, out of the blue, while they're sitting there, before Jack Nicholson gets killed... Uh, Peter Fonda just says, we blew it. Yep. 
And it is un- unexpected because if you think about the era that the film was released and you think about the audience that it was it was marketed to, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, you know, you know that everyone who was watching that at the drive-in was like, you know, a bunch of hippies smoking weed and hanging out and being like, yeah, I I dig it. You know, these guys are just living free and doing their thing. What the hell? They're dead now? <laughs> like, you know. It, they that set it up became like, so popular, my God. How many movies after Easy Rider copied that ending? I mean, the nihilistic ending was great. Like, most people miss what the real twist ending of the Wild Bunch was. Right. Which is four guys, even if it was just for 15 seconds, held off an entire fucking army. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great movie, too. Yeah. But... Um, we talked about this before when we were talking about uh, Easy Rider, uh, but yeah, nihilistic endings from 70s movies. Uh, Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. Yeah, that one works because that one is real literally up to the last three fanes of the fucking movie. I mean, it's like yeah. three, four seconds before the movie ends. You're like, oh, they got away. I oh, got away. What the fuck? Michael Vincent in it as a star 
and he's dating this beautiful girl named Billy, who's the town pump. I mean, okay. literally, she is. And everyone's shocked that he's dating the town pump. And all the all of his boys and all the for all the guys in town are mad because they ain't getting none anymore because she's steady with him. So after this sweet little romance, uh, they end up raping and killing her, and then he goes into a pool hall and kills all of them. And the ending is he steals, like, a ton of flowers and puts it on her grave. Huh. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm looking at it on Wikipedia right now. It says uh, it says it was the first movie that Robert England was ever in. Yeah. That's interesting. Yep. Huh. And I mean, it just knocked me on my ass. And I was a teenager. I don't like watching this romance, and all of a sudden, what the fuck? Where the hell did this come from? <laughs> According to Wikipedia, it was the first mainstream American movie to feature full frontal nudity by a man. Yeah, cool. yeah Michael Vincent. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've always wanted to see Jan Michael Vincent's cock, so I guess I'll watch it. Well, no, it's <laughs> just a good movie. It's a good movie, period, but it's just so damn fucking dark and odd. That... Right. The twist is just damn. Huh. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Never heard of it. I never heard of it until you mentioned it right now. But then again, it was released in 1974, which is the year I was born. So. (laughs) I'm 1970. I've seen it on the local uh, movie show. Channel here on channel WATV six afternoon movie one day. It was <laughs> you on, didn't have none of nudity, but damn. <laughs> oh yeah, all right. I was gonna say they, they showed it on the afternoon movie because yeah. uh, where I grew up, we used to have two movie channels uh, when you got when you had cable. It was uh, channel thirty eight and channel eleven, and they would both show movies. Channel 11 showed movies at night, and so they would show more of the risque stuff, um, which is where I saw a lot of, you know, horror movies and stuff. But uh, Channel 38 would show movies during the day, and they would show mostly kung fu movies and Godzilla movies. So that's where I saw a lot of that stuff when I was growing up. Yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah, Channel 11, if you watched it after midnight, they would show a lot of stuff. Now, again, they didn't show a lot of nudity, but they would show violence, you know. They'd they'd cut out the boobs, but they would keep the, you know, they would keep the violence. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's where it was. Two and one deal. Have you ever seen uh, Count Dracula's Great Love or Blackula? I've seen Blackula, yeah, but I don't think I've ever seen Count Dracula's Great Love. That doesn't That's sound familiar to me. It's basically him trying to get this virgin woman to become a vampire 
so he could use her blood to bring his daughter back to life. And then at the last bit of the movie, she says, no. And then he goes, okay, you can go. And she leaves, (laughs) and he kills his other vampires, and then kills himself. Huh. Nope. I've never never seen that one. Paul Nashi film is great. But it's same as Black. Oh, After they kill his lady love, like in that movie, you're expecting him to go on a murder rampage for the Von Helsing character kills him. Right. That's not what you get. <laughs> so, Paul Nashi plays Count Dracula in that one? Yeah. Oh, huh. It's alpha vinegar syndrome. That's weird. I've never seen that because I'm a big Paul Nashie fan. But most of the movies of his that I that I have that I own that I've seen, he plays a werewolf. He's usually like a werewolf character in most of his movies. Yeah. So, yeah, I've never seen one where he plays a vampire. Yeah. Were you expecting that ending of Blackula where after Blackula's Love, one, says she wants to be a vampire and be with him. And then they kill her, and he just commits suicide. Right. Well, I don't know. Blackula is such a, that's such a weird, like, I can't figure out what the tone of Blackula is supposed to be. So, you know, like. Yeah, everyone else plays it like this, uh, Jive Turkey Black exploitation yeah. film. And then you have William exactly. Marshall in this very serious dramatic role. Yeah, exactly. That's the part for me that I'm just like it's just weird. Like, you know, when I watch it I'm like, okay, so yeah, like you said, it feels like it's supposed to be a black exploitation film, but William Marshall is taking it so seriously. It's like I don't know what I don't know what his career was like before, but I mean he was he a almost, Shakespearean it, actor. I was gonna say it almost feels like he was a stage actor who did like ser- more serious roles, you know? Because he plays yeah. that he plays he plays that role straight. Where whereas everyone else, you're right, they're like jab turkey and you know honky and all all the black exploitation. Uh, you know, stereotypes. That, but he's so good in the role. I mean, yeah, he is just great in that role. Yeah, no, he really is. Yeah, he does a, it. It's a all in all, it's it's a fun movie, and you know, it does have the heart. You know, he's we're talking about it like it. It kind of is a black exploitation movie, but he brings the heart to it. He brings the he brings the real talent to it. He does a good yeah. job. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's that's the part. I, and that's and another I'm, good twist is where the movie doesn't go where you expect it to go, where it plays with the tropes of its genre. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those movies where like, you know, 
it almost feels like, you know, again, going back, like it's almost like a proto Tarantino movie. It's like somebody wrote a black exploitation movie, but then they hired actors to actually act, not just, you know, stumble their way through some crazy version of a black exploitation movie, you know? And I think Blackula kind of came out towards the end of the whole black exploitation thing anyway, though, right? Like, it was was late. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, maybe they were kind of starting to move away from that. But uh, the same director did a Frankenstein movie, too, though, right? Uh, Blackenstein. <laughs> Blackenstein. Oh man. That's, oh, and to bring up bad twist endings, have you ever seen Abar the Black Superman? No, <laughs> I've never even heard of that movie. You have to see it. It's about this black scientist who moves in close to his neighbors, and they're all racist. So he uses his uh, experiments to create a super black man to defend him from these racist neighbors of his. <laughs> and twist ending is his next door neighbor, who is the most racist, is a half black woman. I have a secret to tell you. You're black. How did you know? I looked at your <laughs> medical papers. You have sickle cell anemia. Oh, (laughs) that's the twist ending. (laughs) Jesus, I've never heard of it. Again, I'm looking at it on Wikipedia right now. It says that it was shot without permits, and they hired an actual motorcycle gang to play the motorcycle gang. Yeah, and it was primarily shown on what was known as the Chitlin Circuit, which you and I have talked about before. Yeah, that seems kind of strange. And what we mean by the Chitlin Circuit is black theaters down south. Yep. Yep. Good old Chitlin Circuit. And Xenon has it out, and oh, my God, it lives up to its insane reputation. <laughs> but, I'll, yeah, I'll have I have sickle cell anemia. Oh, my God. I'm <laughs> I'll have to check it out. That sounds like a good one. Yeah. Shoot. So... We're getting well, back into well, good ones. Uh, another good one that had Peter Fonda's in a lot of good movies with great twist endings. Uh, and it's if you get the Blu-ray, I think it's still in print. I hope it is. It has Dirty Mary, Clary, Crazy Larry, and Race with the Devil on it. That's another good one. Underrated. Yeah. No, that is a good flick. Yep. And in that one, the, the twist is they don't get away from the Satanists. Another nihilistic ending, but it works because it's in a horror film. Yeah. 
Yeah. What the the thing I like about that the I don't know I don't know if it's so much the twist that I like. I just like the way that it ends with all the cultists uh, gathered around the RV. They light the fire and then they just start chanting like it's it's a that's a creepy ending for any movie whether it's a twist yeah. or not you know. I mean, it's just a creepy ending to a creepy movie, you know. But, yeah. And one of the greatest twist endings of the 70s is uh, Don't Look Now. Yeah. Yep. I, that's funny. We were talking about this when we were talking about uh, movies with great twist endings. I just watched, rewatched. Uh, don't look now this weekend and man that movie that movie is so creepy anyway like it because they really that's a twist ending that they set up really well because all through the movie there's the serial killer on the loose and then they make it seem like Donald Sutherland is losing his mind which is kind of set up from the beginning because his daughter died, accidental death. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then when they and finally get to the. And I love that he sees his own death in the first scene, but because his daughter dies and is wearing the same red raincoat, he misinterprets what he sees. Yeah. 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 They are, and those, like, I don't know, there's so much to unpack. It's such a great movie. If anybody who's listening has not seen Don't Look Now. If you want to see another movie, like, uh, if you want to learn where M. Night Shyamalan got his use of the word color red in the sixth sense, watch Don't Look Now, because that color is predominant all through the movie. For sure, yeah. There's warning yeah. signs to him. But he it's such a good movie. Yeah. It's such a good movie. Like, I, I don't know if, I don't know if, uh, Nicholas Rogue has ever done another movie that was as good as that. And that's sad. Performance. He did that. What's that? Performance. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Performance, uh, the comfort, yeah, Rogue, yeah, performance. I love a lot of Rogue's work. I still think that. Oh, God, the man who fell to earth. Oh, yeah. All right, I'll give you that one. (laughs) But I still think uh, Don't Look Now is his best. That's still my favorite of all of his. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I mean, his best his best trait as a director is that, you know, he really knows how to frame shots and use the camera. You know, like, you know, we were kind of goofing about Kevin Smith earlier. I like yeah. Kevin Smith's movie. I like Kevin Smith's movies, but he pretty much just sets the camera in one spot and let K- 
characters talk. His yeah. his talent, you know, his talent is dialogue. You know, he he sets up two cameras, one behind one character, one behind the other character, and just does, and then, well, I guess three cameras, one between the two yeah. characters, and then just films dialogue, and then cuts it together so you can see, oh, I'm talking over this guy's shoulder. Oh, I'm talking over this guy's shoulder. Oh, here they are talking face-to-face, you know? Like, it's like, that's not really directing. I mean, I like his writing, not always, but most of the time. That friggin' weenie dog movie that he did, what, Yoga Hosers? Ugh, God, that was, that was, that was wretched. <laughs> I don't know. What Another, was the twist ending? What? The twist ending. The twist ending in Yoga Hosers was it stuck. <laughs> Just like uh, the original ending, the Jaws, the script that Spielberg wrote was basically everyone was going to die. Right. Yeah, the I'm first glad time that twist was used, and it's really good. And I've only seen rarely full films really go for it. Is and then there were none. Right. Yeah. Well, that's not really a twist ending though, because the title seems to infer that by the end there will be none. Yeah, but you really, but the way they do it, she does it in the book is shocking. It's like the Hateful Eight. Yeah. It goes all the way through to, and then there were none. Yeah, right. But you don't expect that coming, do you? You expect at least one person to. (laughs) Right. Well, I was thinking about the Hateful Eight, too, when we were putting this show together. Uh, this week because I mean that the hateful eight does have a nice twist towards the end when obviously you know the the guys come up out of the floorboards and start killing everybody and there's a big shootout like that's that's a nice twist but that's and it is one that's telegraphed. Uh, subtly you know like with the broken jar of gumballs or whatever it is, marbles or, yeah. So, you know, and Samuel L. Jackson knows that something's off, but he doesn't quite know what it is, you know. So that's a, that's a good twist that, that's well telegraphed, but not revealed until the shootout. But it's not really like a twist ending, like, because it, I mean, it's a twist, but it's, it doesn't happen at the end of the film. It happens like 20 minutes before the film is over, so yeah, I wouldn't call it a Yeah, I'm talking more of the whole, and then there were none, especially the movies that have used it. The whole, right. the person that, the twist is, the person that you thought that was dead is yeah. dead. Right. Yeah. And you not know, in like, the... Not in the slasher movie kind of way, like, oh, Jason's going to sit back up and stab someone else. Not that kind of 
that that yeah. doesn't count as a twist. The yeah, best no. time I've seen that twist used in a way is Goldeneye. You know. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I mean, there's just so many. It's like uh, another great twist ending that's been overused is, and this definitely goes in the slasher films, is definitely, he's not dead. I mean, how many times have you seen the ending is just the killer jumping back up again, fade to black? Right. And then with the, if they have a sequel, they have a bullshit reason why the person wasn't killed. Right. Have you seen the Have you seen the movie Crush the Skull? What? Have you seen the movie Crush the Skull? No. And I ain't crushing no damn skulls either. You should watch it. It's a It's a movie about. Uh, it's a horror movie, obviously. Uh, some some people break into a house to, uh, you know, to rob. They're going to rob the house. And uh, they find a dungeon in the basement where there's a bunch of women being held prisoner. So they try to rescue the women, but the guy who owns the house comes home and the whole rest of the movie is basically them like, you know, trying to fight off the guy. He has a bunch of stuff in the house that locks down the windows and the doors so they can't get out and they're just trying to run around the house and avoid him. But uh I'd rather one of watch the few... uh... What? Uh the collection the second collector yeah. movie. Yeah, the collector it's it's similar to that, but this one's kind of a comedy too. It's it's kind of, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of humor in it, but but yeah, it's called Crush the Skull for a reason because when they finally do beat the 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 guy at the end, they don't they say that like it's kind of like the meta scream kind of thing where they're like, you know, they think that he's dead, but then the female character who survives is like, fuck that crush the skull, let's make sure that he's dead. <laughs> so. I'd rather yeah. watch the collection. If you haven't seen it, it's the, there's the, it's the second one of the collection movie. I like it because it's more of a John Carpenter horror action movie than the first one. Yeah, the first one is more of like a creepy suspense thriller, but the second one definitely has more action to it. Or Don't Breathe, which is a great fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. And Don't Don't Breathe is similar to the first Collector movie, but it's much it's much more intense, much better. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's because they have that, what's his name, the bat? Uh, I forget his name. He was the badass in uh, Only Good Part of Avatar. Yeah, right. Yeah, I can't but think of his name either, she's man. Blind and she's down the street. She's like, you can't get me, motherfucker. And then he just stands there and smiles, and then he just whistles, and then that big-ass dog runs out. <laughs> right. Oh, 
my yeah. god, damn. Yeah, that's another movie that I just rewatched this weekend. Yeah. It's funny. I love, so far, I've loved all of Freddy Alvarez's work. I love the Evil Dead remake. Yes, I know. You don't love Evil Dead. No, Evil Dead remake is the Evil Dead 2 that I wanted back in the 80s. Yeah, we we talked about this before on another podcast that I can't believe that you don't like Evil Dead 2. Shake my head. Shake my head, Steven. Shake my head. Even the the fans that hated it back then, it was hated back then. That's all I'm going to say, but moving on. The best twist of the Evil Dead series, though, is the original ending to Army of Darkness. Yeah, I know. They The only time I've ever seen that version of Army of Darkness was when they showed it on the Sci-Fi Channel. Like, I never realized there was an alternate ending to to Army of Darkness until I happened to catch it on the uh, Sci-Fi Channel way back when I was in college. And how much better does the movie play with that ending? Yeah, that it's way better with that ending. Yeah, I and mean, what it is is that they give him a potion so he can go back to the future, but. Being the doofus that he is, he screws it up as usual and ends up in the future. Yeah. (laughs) Where a nuclear war is raging or has already happened, I guess. I don't know. They They don't show any bombs dropping, but everything is definitely in flames. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I don't really care for the end of, I mean, if we're talking about the Evil Dead trilogy, you say, or you say you don't care much for the, for Evil Dead 2. I don't really care much for Army of Darkness. Um, I don't either. Yeah. Evil Dead 2 has a great twist ending too that's nicely foreshadowed about 20 minutes into the movie when they first when he first sees the the extra pages. Right, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. he looks at the I, page of him standing with the chainsaw in the past, and all of a sudden he gets dizzy. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do Well, you know, you Army of Darkness, it should show you how, many, how much problems is, there was with that movie. The Shout Factory DVD. Yeah. Has four different cuts of the fucking movie. <laughs> uh, the theatrical cut, yeah. the director's cut, uh, the Captain Supermarket cut, and uh, the USA Channel cut. And each of them yeah. have exclusive footage. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I do agree with you that the Evil Dead remake is is a good film. I don't feel like it. I don't really feel like it's a remake. It, I kind of feel like it was a separate film of its own that they just slapped the Evil Dead name on to make some money because it doesn't have the same vibe as 
I mean, I know it's got a lot in common with Evil Dead, but I don't, it feels more like they were just like, and it feels like one of those movies where they were like, okay, we've already got a property that we own the rights to. Let's throw the name on, add a couple of aspects from the original and just call it Evil Dead, you know, like, I mean, that's how I feel about it. I like it. I just don't really feel like it. They should have called it Evil Dead. They should have just come up with something new, you know, but whatever. No, I consider it a direct sequel to the first one because of the damage to the cabin when they find it. The fact that Mia is sitting on the classic. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. But, yeah, I think I I like the original Evil Dead uh Sam Raimi's version, but I think it, I still think it's kind of corny. I understand that they were unprofessional, you know, they weren't professional directors, they weren't professional actors, they just kind of went out and did their thing. So it comes off as kind of goofy. The reason why I like Evil Dead 2, even though you don't, the reason I like it is because it seems like it seems like the movie that they should have done the first time around, but they just didn't have the budget. So, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate that, you know, like they got the budget to do yeah, the movie. Yeah, but by the time uh, that uh, Evil Dead 2 came out, we had seen tons of photos of scenes that's not in Evil Dead 2. Uh, there's more right. with Henrietta as normal possessed Henrietta. Right. In the movie. Right. Yeah. Remember, uh, that's when it came out that this is a big twist. While we're never going to see the complete two-hour version cut of Blue Velvet or Evil Dead 2, is that Dino burnt all the deleted footage out of spite when the studio was going under. Yeah, right. Yeah, so we lost him. Yeah, so we Screw lost a lot of footage from Blue Velvet, including their original ending. Yeah, and I'm gonna say screw Dino De Laurentiis because Blue Velvet is one of my favorite films of all time, and I'm never gonna get to see the the deleted footage. And even oh, if David Lynch it's, has it, it's not in good quality, but the the Let's see. The Dorothy Valens ending is uh, still missing. The one where she committed yeah. suicide. Right. But the Criterion has like the 20 minutes of uh, extra footage, including uh, the. You've seen the French poster for it with the girl tiled sprawled on the pool table? Yeah, I have the French version of the poster <laughs> yeah yeah that's an actual scene that they actually found right there is 20 minutes of deleted scenes that are in the criterion set because if you haven't got that one that's one you need oh i have it i told oh. you it's one of my favorite films of all time yeah i've yeah i've got it 
Oh, and another one that doesn't use it as well. Another one that uses the, the crappy Luke, I ain't your father ending is Scanners. When uh, the main bad guy played by Michael Ironside and the other guy finally meets, he's like, we're brothers, don't you know? Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love me some Cronenberg, but Scanners is not one of my favorites. I don't know. It it just seems like it seems hokey. It seems just like a I don't know. It seems like a he said like a himself job. that he wished he'd put more action in it. Right. Yeah. There's. A, there's a lot of nice set design in it, and of course we get the exploding head that uh, is beautiful, beautiful that exploding head. Uh, lose half his hearing, <laughs> right? Uh, but that's what yeah. happens when you don't realize how loud the sound of a shotgun's going to be when you're under a fucking table, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. But yeah, but I don't know. Flash, I can think of another one that uses the loop, the the family shit, which depends on which series you got, they get rid of it. And that's Halloween. All of a sudden, Halloween 2, a guy shows up out of nowhere. You don't know me, but I have something to tell you. What? We, unfi- we unsealed Michael's files. I've seen them all. You haven't seen this one. Lori was his sister. What? <laughs> yeah, I. That, Halloween is another one of those series where I'm again. This is going to be a whole separate show that you and I are going to talk about. But yeah. there, there's so many series that just went on way too long, and Halloween is one of them. Like, yeah, and how far down the line does it go? Oh, Lori was the sister. Now, now there's a niece. You know, what, now, I mean, how... Oh, how and guess what? Is? It turns out that she has a brother, and Lori Fuss said, fuck you, I'm going to leave you to Michael Myers to come after you, but I'm going to go hiding. You cunt! <laughs> <laughs> right? It's so freaking yeah. ridiculous. That, that, the storyline for Halloween is just so ridiculous. Again, like I said, uh, you know, Friday the 13th goes off the rails after a while, but at least no one turns out to be related, you know? The Halloween yeah. bloodline thing just gets ridiculous. Yeah. So. But speaking you know of Friday the 13th... One of the biggest fights that David Fickner had over seven was? No. And this includes a big twist. That showing uh, what's his name, who Kevin Spacey's name in the opening credits. The studios wanted to put him on the poster. The studio wanted him in the opening credits, and he's like, "No." Right. They're like, "They'll be looking for him. We can't have him in the fucking credits." Well, that was a good call. It is a surprise when he shows up. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. 
I think Fickner had seen another good movie with a good twist, but it's too over-convoluted for its own good, and that's The Usual Suspects before that. And he knew that that film was going to come out before Seven. And he knew after that that people would know who Kevin Spacey was. Right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about The Usual Suspects for a few minutes because you and I discussed this earlier this week and you do not enjoy the twist in The Usual Suspects? It's too convoluted. Yeah. Okay. The whole twist has to be based on how stupid the fucking cops are. Well, cops can be stupid. Like, uh, Kevin Spacey's character's name, Verbal Kent. (laughs) You know what Kaiser Soze means? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Talking Verbal King. (laughs) Yep. Well, hey, believe me, man, I work for the federal government. I spend all day, every day in an office surrounded by cops. Not all of them are that intelligent. I hate to say that because I do respect the police, but I will say I work with a lot of stupid cops all day, every day. And, and these are just guys who guard the building that I work in and work in the building that I work in. They don't even have to interrogate prisoners and try to get information out of them. All they have to do is monitor the, uh, the metal detector and make sure that no one brings weapons into the building. (laughs) I don't know. I like, I like the twist. I like the twist in usual suspects. I, I, I mean, it's not one of my favorite movies, but I think it's I think it's a good flick. And it, again, like other movies we've talked about, it doesn't telegraph its twist that well. Uh, you're right; it is kind of convoluted in the end. But I think that that's he made kind up of the, the whole fucking story just based on looking at the wall behind the cop. Right. My one big complaint about it after all these years is yes he made up the whole story off the wall behind the cop but if he was such a brilliant criminal mastermind why didn't he already have a story ready when they brought him in there yeah that that's that's my big complaint about it it's a nice twist ending but if he's yeah, if he's such a brilliant criminal mastermind, he probably should have had an alibi or a story ready when he walked yeah. in instead of like yeah. That's a better twist would have been that he did make up the story, but not semi on the spot. But all five of them were still alive, and this was their right. final gig before retiring. Right. Yeah. Well, earlier in the movie, they kill, uh, well, according to him, they kill Benicio Del Toro's character there, right? Uh, Yeah. Finster. Yeah, they kill him and bury him on the beach earlier in the movie. But again, 
this is all just verbal version of the story. So who knows what's really true and what's not, you know. But yeah. another big problem that I do have with that movie, though, is that the lawyer's name is Kubayashi, but he is definitely not Asian in any way, shape, or form, you know.
Well, I haven't seen it yet, but people think that the head in the box, that was the twist. No, it wasn't. Right? It's Kevin Spacey's character showing up, period, and that we had seen him earlier in the movie. Yep. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I don't... In fact, my least favorite part of seven is the head in the box scene like and it's i don't know it's not because i don't it's not because i don't get it like i get what they're going for in that climactic scene but i just hate brad pitt's acting in that scene i just hate yeah he wasn't brad pitt's a good actor yet but there's a box yeah yeah, he's a good actor, but that scene, I'm just like, oh, come on, man. You are way, you're you're over the line here. Like, reel it in a little bit, you know? Yeah. I guess. Uh, and you know, you know Fincher studio, probably, they, they wanted the ending where Somerset, the Morgan Freeman's character, shoots John Doe so that he wouldn't, so that the other one, Brad Pitt's character wouldn't do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. I like the ending as is. Yeah. I mean it's yeah, it all wraps up good. The only like I said, the only thing I don't like is uh him just screaming what's in the box like over. Yeah, what is the fucking box? What is the box? Shut up. Yes, he has another really bad line delivery in Seven as well, though, when they're trying to figure out the whole Seven Deadly Sins thing, and they're in the boardroom with the chalkboard, and he's like, ah, he's a nutbag. (laughs) That's That's another really bad line delivery. Otherwise... He's really good in that movie. And I, like I said, Unlike I like usual suspects where Del Toro steals it with his over-the-top pronunciation. <laughs> right, yeah. I don't no. know what it means. You want your cocksucker. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he's good in that. I, I, I love the way that, I love the way that Del Toro does his stuff in uh, Usual Suspects, yeah. 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 That was the impro- that was the improvisation that they decided just to go with. <laughs> yeah, right. And you know the obviously the legendary story of the reason that they're all laughing in the uh, in the lineup is because uh, Del Toro kept farting while they were in there, and everyone kept yeah. chuckling about. <laughs> that's the that's the uh, at least that's the Hollywood legend. He kept farting while they were doing the lineup scene, and everyone kept cracking up. But uh, they, yeah, they just decided to leave it in the movie. Well, I love how yeah. they covered it too later in the movie with, uh, "Why would you put three, five hardcore criminals in the same fucking lineup together?" You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. But to move on. The best twist that Fickner ever did, and it's not even Fickner's twist, it's Chuck Palahniuk's twist, and that's Fight Club. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love me some Fight Club. And I had, you know, I'm a big reader, and I had read the novel way before I saw the movie, but way way before the movie came out. And they they do a great job concealing that that twist in the movie. That yeah, that's a I don't know. I've I've heard a lot of people lately, a lot of other people that I talk to about movies, uh have been talking a lot of trash lately about Fight Club and I don't I don't see it, man. Fight Club is a great flick and it's and it they they do a great job of concealing that twist ending right up right up till the last minute, you know? Like Yeah, because really Tyler Durden shows up one minute into the film. Yeah. All those little like flashes of him in the movie earlier. Yeah. There's times you'll see it bloop standing there. Yep. It's like the last shot of the movie. Uh the first time I seen it, I was like, oh, there's a little squiggle there. Ha, ha, ha. And then the second time I watched it in theater, it was like, I seen the film slow down and blur. And then the giant cock appeared on the screen, and I <laughs> fell to the ground laughing. Right. And everyone else right. was looking at me like, what the hell are you laughing at? And they were looking at each other with weird looks. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, that, I mean, okay, well, like, Boogie Nights, the last shot that you see in Boogie Nights, you know, Mark Wahlberg pulls out his cock and shows it and then zips it back up and walks out of the room. Now, that, that's funny in its own right, and that's kind of shocking in its own right, but Fight Club just shows you a quick shot of presumably Brad Pitt's cock. I'm sure it's not really his, but just that quick shot of of the dick at the end of Fight Club is fucking hilarious. It's just brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff. But, uh... And yeah. the fact that they um, fuck with the twist, too. This is what they right. call a changeover, where the entire movie changes... And you're just sitting there. <laughs> right? The yeah. Goes. And they do some good, they actually do some good, uh, you know, I mean, I've watched Fight Club so many times over the years, and I know you probably have to, that you've noticed some of the little clues that they give you along the way. They They definitely telegraph the fact that, the narrator and Tyler Durden are the same person. Um, the, uh, the phone call that he first makes when he went after his apartment blows up, he calls from the payphone, And when he's putting the coins into the payphone, uh, you can see a little sign that says no incoming calls. Yeah. And when he calls, no one answers, he hangs up, but then he gets an incoming call. The only problem that I have with the film version is the scene where Tyler's driving the car, the narrator's in the passenger seat, and they've got the two guys in the back, and they're like, if you died today, what would you wish you had done? 
You know, oh, I wish I would have written a novel. Oh. I wish I would have traveled more. And then they drive off the road. But who the fuck was driving? Narrator was, because if you look again, when they show the car go over, he climbs out of the driver's side. They pull him out of the driver's side. I never noticed that. I probably watched that movie 30 times yeah. in my life, and I've never noticed that. Huh. What's well, scarier, well, the fact that he's talking to himself and all that, or the fact that the rest of those guys are willing just to fucking go with it. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> well, that that's what, I mean, that's what a lot of people have, uh, why a lot of people have pushed back against the movie over the last decade, saying that, you know, oh, it, it just represents toxic masculinity and, yeah. you know, you know, I mean, you know, it's, that, like, I don't really know what that means. Like, yeah, we're men, and... Outside of males. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And men. it's a very gay movie, too. I mean, all you have to do is replace the word fight with the word fuck, and it becomes an entirely different movie. <laughs> right? I'm sure someone has already done that, Stephen. I, uh, I bet if we go to the go online and look for fuck club, we could probably find it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just think of some of the lines of the movie. There's right? only two people to a, he said, there's two people to a fuck. We either, we do that to one person finishes or the other one taps out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or oh, yeah. instead of hit, you know, I want you to fuck me as hard as you can. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, hey, let me tell you this. If it hasn't already been made, I think you and I have a have a plan for a screenplay that we're going to write this weekend. <laughs> yeah, but I do love it, Bob. I mean, honestly, you got bitch tits, Bob. There, got me with the boobs. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. No, it, I, I don't know. That twist that one person isn't real has been done so many times too and the other great one that I'm using it now is the other the other or the other yeah the other okay not it's sure about I remember two, it's a 70s horror film about two twins that have psychic powers and Mysterious murders start to happen. Huh. Yeah. If you haven't read the book by Thomas Tyron or seen the movie, you need to... Well, you need to do both because both are different experiences. Right. It, um... I'm kind of remembering it now. It's the, uh, oh, it, it seems to remind me. It almost seems like that, uh, what's the movie, Mommy Dearest, that came out this year, right? Yeah. Or, yeah, it, it's a similar story to that, right? Good night, Mommy. Like, 
Good Night Mommy. Yeah, that's the one I'm trying to think of. Yeah. So it's a similar story to that, right? Like there aren't yeah, really they two. Do. It's become yeah. from a nice twist to lazy screenwriting. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. a tale of two sisters. Yeah, right, right. Except that movie's actually good and got good acting and the way that it's in an, it doesn't cheat. Right. Yeah. No, I... The Good Night Mommy is one that I actually saw the twist coming from way far away. Uh, I I didn't I didn't really care for it. That was another one. For anyone who hasn't seen it, there's only one kid. There you go. Boom. You're done. Don't watch it. <laughs> I mean, I have seen so many people use that for lazy screenwriting. That's the problem with yeah. a lot of twists is that they became points for lazy screenwriting. Yeah, right? Like Scream. Yeah. When there were two killers in Scream, that was like, holy shit, that's wild. Yeah. And then right. not even three to four years later, oh my god, they're doing, there's two killers again. God damn. Yeah. Right? It's a, well, you know, like, you gotta think about, like, these screenwriters a lot of screenwriters are desperate to make it in Hollywood, so yeah. their whole deal, their whole deal is, well, here's a movie that was successful. I'm just gonna rip it up, you know, like, but yeah. not not totally rip it off. Like, well, uh, I'm just a what writer. Like, my least favorite twist is always been, and I don't even have to name one movie because every movie that pretty much has this, it's. <gasps> Oh my God! The entire movie was just a dream. Oh, dude, don't. And then get if you want to make it me. smell even shittier, <gasps> but it's happening for real this time. Dude, don't even get me started on it. Was all just a dream. I will fucking go to my grave uh, on on my fucking tombstone. It's gonna say it was all just a dream. Like fuck off. I, I am so I hate the it was all just a dream If it was all just a dream Fuck off Like I hate that That is my least favorite twist ending ever And it's funny Because we were talking about uh, The newest uh, Jennifer Lynch movie Surveillance uh, The other day And man I really loved Boxing Helena Until it was all just a dream I was I was so excited about oh David Lynch's daughter made a movie I'm gonna watch it and then I watched it and the twist ending was it was all just a dream fuck you Jennifer Lynch your dad has more talent in his fucking pinky than you're ever gonna have in your whole career like this is ridiculous all just a yeah. dream yeah. Have you ever seen that movie, uh, uh, I forget, the one with uh, Emilio Estevez, Wisdom? Wisdom. Where basically yep. him and Amy Moore play Bonnie and Clyde? Yep, yep. 
The whole movie. I have seen it. Has this scene at the very end where they're fighting off and they get shot to death on their bleachers, and then yep. Milo Estevez wakes up in his bathtub. It was all just a dream, and it goes to the credits. Yep. Yep. Piece of shit. I hate and any since this whole show is about twist ending. I will go on record right now declaring that any movie that ends with it's all just a dream, I'm done. Except with the possible exception of Inception, which we talked about earlier. Now, yeah. Or Nightmare on Elm Street 1 or Phantasm 2. Right. Nightmare on Elm Street, I'll give you that one. Phantasm 2. I don't know. I don't. The only Phantasm movie I really like is the first one. I don't really care for any of the other Phantasm films. I know. I just I like that. It's just a dream. It's just a dream. No, it's not. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> right. Phantasm has bad twist endings because it leaves with everybody dead. Then all of a sudden, within the first five minutes of the next film, they're back alive again. <laughs> right. I heard they're making a new Phantasm movie. I don't know if it's they a remake. They already had the final finale, Ravager, and God was that move. Besides the last ten minutes of the movie, which had me tearing up, it sucked. <laughs> right? Oh, you cried, Stephen. You cried like a little girl watching the last Phantasm movie. Almost. It was just one of those beautiful moments. <laughs> but if I'm going to put the best twist in the movie, and it's something that both parts of it have been ripped off by itself, and that would be Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. That one has to be the best. Yeah. Because, one, it hits you, hit you with the two punch. The first punch is usually... You know, everything starts somewhere. Usually when we have a protagonist, we follow them to the end, and we got Janet Lee, And we're following her, and she steals money, yes, but we're like, oh, yes, she's going to go back. She's going to go back. She's going to redeem herself. What the fuck? <laughs> well, you tell me. Pulp Fiction is my favorite film of all time, but if I had yeah. to do a top ten list, if I had to do a top ten list, Psycho is number two. And I love Psycho just for the exact reason that you're talking about. There's so much there. I mean, that that movie is brilliant. You know, yeah. The shower you, scene you, will pull these feet out from you. But for most people most shocking scene in Psycho before that, they were already thrown off their edge in 1960 because they showed a toilet flushing. Oh, my gosh, a toilet in a movie? I can't believe it. This is outrage. Well, guess what? Psycho just moved down my list of favorite films. I never realized no, there was a seriously, toilet. No, seriously, it was the first film ever to have a toilet flushing. And uh, I know. before this, before Psycho... 
Movie theaters will just let you wander into the movie whenever the fuck you wanted to. Yep. You could pay and to see it once and just sit there all day and watch it over and over again if you wanted to. Yeah. But yeah. with that, it's like, please, no one will be admitted during the last yeah. five minutes of Psycho. Or, after, you know. Yeah. The reason they did that is because they didn't, obviously didn't want people to know, we were talking about this, that Janet Lee dies in the first half hour. And they didn't want you to know that the star, Janet Lee, wasn't in the movie. So people would, if they let people wander in at any point during the movie, they'd sit there for an hour being like, well, where the heck is Janet Lee? So... And then the two-punch, which is the one that most people remember more other than the Shaggy Sour scene, is that Norman Bates was a was the killer himself, dressed up as his mother. Spoiler alert! <laughs> but yeah, that yeah. was another two. And the thing is, is that makes it good is that the two twists don't contradict about Psycho is like well there's a couple of things that I really love about Psycho um, and it speaks to Hitchcock as a director the opening scene starts off with an aerial shot of the city and then it condenses down, down down and then it goes into one single hotel room that's Hitchcock telling you that, you know, there are a million stories in the naked city. This is one of them. And he goes yeah. into the hotel. He goes into the hotel. You get to meet the characters. Then she steals the money. She goes to the hotel. And there's the whole interaction between she and uh, Norman. But this is my absolute favorite part of the movie that when after he kills her and he shoves her body in the trunk and he puts the car in the swamp as the car starts to sink halfway through it stops sinking and Norman and looks we're rooting really for nervous. Norman right there we don't know why but we're rooting for him we're like oh god let that car and then that boop and then all of a sudden we're like oh yeah, exactly. Hitchcock is such a brilliant director that somehow he got us to root for Norman. But again, at that point, we don't know that he's the killer. So we're thinking he's just trying to protect his mother. But it is a yeah. brilliant piece. It is a brilliant piece of direction. Again, like I said, we all know my favorite movie is Pulp Fiction, but Psycho is definitely number two on the list, and it's because. It's so masterfully directed, and it's just brilliantly acted, everything in it. Uh, the scene when Norman brings the sandwich uh, to her uh, in the little uh, office behind his room there, and there's all yeah. the stuffed birds, oh, that, that's a clue. That's a clue to the ending. He's got all yeah. the taxidermy birds. Yeah, 
you know. So you know at the end when when uh, they find the stuffed mom in the basement, the root cellar. Yeah, and that's a definite. You know how I talked earlier in the show about how people how I hate when they're like they have to have someone come to explain to da 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 and that's lazy filmmaking. No. He didn't use that to explain about Norman. He used that to give the audience a chance to... (sighs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. And then it has another great use of subliminals. Have you ever noticed that subliminal shot at the end of Psycho? Where it transposes the mother's skull over Norman's face. Yeah, the original version of Psycho that I had on VHS, actually, uh, you couldn't see that. I never saw that until I got Psycho on DVD. They, the VHS version, you couldn't, you couldn't see it. But, yeah, I have seen it now, but my VHS copy of Psycho. That. Psycho was a no-budget film that Alfred Hitchcock shot in between the three-month hiatus with the same crew as Alfred Hitchcock presents. Yeah, the studio wouldn't give him the money to do it, so he said, well, I'll just use the cast and crew from my show. And I I think the only... Just the four primary actors were ones that he hired outside from outside of the studio system: Anthony Perkins, Janet Leigh, and uh, oh, Martin who played Balsam. the detective? Yeah, Martin Balsam. Yeah, I think all the rest of those people were they all worked uh, for him on Alfred Hitchcock Presents, so he just brought them in. I think Martin yeah. Balsam was John even Gavin in. Gavin definitely did. Yeah, and I think Martin Balsam actually did some episodes of Alfred Hitchcock Presents as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And uh, And that movie changed how we watched movies. Like I said, before that, they would let you in any time. After that, the movie theaters, the studios made them be strict, you know. Yeah. Yep. I actually have... uh, Clive Barker has talked about how much of a disappointment it was when his theaters yeah. let him in uh-uh. about five minutes before the movie ended and he got to see that ending, then he watched it again. He said after that oh. he never tried to watch a movie after that again. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> Okay, as we're about to wrap up this show, we're going to have to go into a little bit of overtime. So if we vanish here in a couple of seconds, in 30 seconds we're going to vanish. So we're going to wrap this up. I mean, I love twist endings when they're great, when you're a great architect as a writer or a director. But when you use it because you're a lazy director or lazy rider, then they're fucking beyond horrible. <laughs> I got a twist ending for you. 
I'm going to drink some whiskey and go to bed. Oh, wait, you probably already knew that. Yeah. <laughs> and wh- Oh, we forgot another great one to really end the show up, and this is real quick, and that's... And this one was great because of when it happened, and that was 1968. We've seen the black guy live throughout the entire movie of Night of the Living Dead. We're at the end. Yes, he's going to be rescued. He's going to be, bam. Oh, tragic. Yeah, tragic. That one shocks me every time, and I've seen Night of the Living Dead a thousand times. But it's still, oh, brutal. That's, yeah, that's a brutal twist ending. If anyone hasn't seen Night of the Living Dead, what the heck are you doing with your life? Go watch Night of the Living Dead. Come on, it's yeah. free. You can watch it anywhere. <laughs> All right. We'll be back well, next week with another exciting show. Episode. Right? This one went by too short, damn it. You what? This one this went one by too, too fast. All right. Well, next week we can talk about twist endings again. At the beginning, no, and then we can I talk think about we pretty much covered all the best one. We'll have to dig into the garbage, and I don't want to have to get into. We'll go into the franchise ones because we can get into. Uh, we'll go into the franchises, and then we'll get into exploitation because we didn't even mention psycho exploitation. Oh God. Nah. <laughs> so next week will be franchises that lasted too long and franchises that lasted just enough. <laughs> All right, brother. Another fun another fun show. I hope people enjoyed listening. Okay, and good night, everybody. <laughs>